Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? We're going to be talking about the mighty, mighty mitochondria. Because, you know, we often talk about having good gut health and good adrenal health and good hormonal health and good immune health. And we know those are all interconnected. You know, most of your immune system lies in your gut. The way your adrenals function or don't function depend on your blood sugar. Your hormones are impacted by your adrenals. So all of these systems of the body work together to produce the whole. One problem with the conventional medicine model is that everything is so compartmentalized. You know, you go to the endocrinologist for hormones and the gastro for gut and the cardiologist for heart and the dermatologist for skin. But the reason your cardiovascular system may be off is because You can't metabolize fat because you have no gallbladder. Maybe your hormones are off because you can't detoxify excess estrogen because your liver is overworked. Maybe the reason your adrenals are kaput is because your blood sugar is imbalanced. Maybe the reason you catch every cold is because your immune system is so busy dealing with food sensitivities from a leaky gut that it can't mount up a proper army of defense. So you're more vulnerable to catching all the things. I mean, that's off the top of my head. You know, there are hundreds and hundreds of scenarios like that where one system of the body is thrown off because of another. And band-aiding one system with a statin or metformin or an acid blocker, you know, is not addressing the real problem of looking at the body as a whole. Now, I'm not a doctor. (laughs) I'm going to always remind you of that. Believe me, I was surprised as anybody when I went to nutrition school and these were the kind of concepts, you know, that we talked about. I thought I was going in to learn about food and vitamins, minerals, you know, how the metabolism worked. And yes, I did learn that. But also we discussed this bigger picture concept of how the body works as a whole and how nutrition affects every piece of it. Remember, because every cell in your body requires vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, and amino acids to work properly. But not only that, I also learned the mechanisms of the digestive process, you know, blood sugar balancing, adrenal function, hormones, immune function, you know, and as as I've shared, I didn't have any kind of plan 
to work as a nutritionist after I became an NTP. I went into it because, I mean, I took the classes because I truly loved to learn and was passionate about the information. But after I learned so much more about these concepts and some key things that people are missing when it comes to optimizing health, I mean, I knew I couldn't not help other people understand more about this. Not that I have all the answers by any means, but I have learned a lot over these last 10 years in my profession. So yes, we absolutely have to address food. You've got to get the nutrition that you need for the building blocks of the body. But we also have to address your body as the engine that processes the food. You know, can it digest? Can it detoxify? Can it utilize what you're putting into it? Because I mean, I can tell you to eat more protein, but does your body have enough stomach acid to break down the protein? Yes, we can use a higher fat diet as a therapeutic approach, but is your body metabolizing fat? Maybe not if you don't have a gallbladder. Is it in your best interest to eat a mostly plant-based diet? Well, not if you don't have the right kind of bacteria in your gut to break it down. So it's not as simple as eat this many calories or this many fat grams. You know, nutrition is a part of it, but so is the function of the systems of your body. I know you've heard me talk about the order of operations, right? As we go in and we're addressing these body systems. Um, And if you've been a client of mine and taken the nutritional assessment questionnaire, you are familiar with this order. You know, we digestion, we go through digestion, liver, blood sugar regulation, adrenals, thyroid, hormone, cardiovascular, kidneys, and then the immune system. Okay, kind of approach things in that order. Everything's cascading out from the gut. We start with the gut because it's at the core of all of these other systems working properly. But what I've learned is that we can peel back the layers to an even deeper root, which is a common thread running through all of these body systems, and that's the mitochondria. The mitochondria are the energy factories of your cells. Their primary role is to make energy. Okay, they turn nutrients into ATP, which is adenosine triphosphate. That is the energy that makes your cells work. So the mitochondria produce ATP. That's the energy that make your cells work. So if we're talking about these body systems, you know, if we're talking about the intestines or the liver or the brain or the adrenals or the heart, do we have enough mitochondria there and are the mitochondria in the cells of those organs or glands, healthy enough to crank out the energy it needs to do its job. The cells must be able to collectively generate energy to make that part of your body work, right? Does that make sense? I mean, if these individual systems are run down, then you as a human are run down. I mean, think about when you are run down, when you're just dragging in energy, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're bogged down, you're just you're not performing at your highest level, right? You might be getting by at work. And then maybe you're kind of half zombie at home. And this is just a reflection of what's happening in your mitochondria, your energy factory might be working at 50% or 20%. You know, your organs are getting by, they're half zombie. (laughs) This is not the picture we want for good health. So when we're talking about approaching the body as a holistic system, we need to support mitochondrial function at the very base level. We want those energy factories cranking out ATP so that your brain, your liver, your heart, your kidneys, your immune cells, your adrenals, your intestines, 
can show up and work, yo. Okay, because the mitochondria drive the function of the cell. So all of your cells have mitochondria except your red blood cells. Okay, some cells have more mitochondria than others because certain parts of your body need more energy production. That includes your eyes, your brain, your heart, um, your immune system needs a little more, your liver needs a little extra mitochondria. Those have more mitochondria per cell because those places need a lot of energy to work. You know, our eyes, our retina, have one of the, mo- the greatest metabolic demands in the body, which is why there is a high concentration of mitochondria there. When those mitochondria are compromised and can't make enough ATP, our eye health starts failing. And this is one of the things that leads to age-related macular degeneration. Now, we ladies have the distinction of having the most mitochondria, which live in our ovaries. So whereas like your brain and your heart, uh, your eyes may have like 10,000 mitochondria per cell, and your liver may have around 2,000 mitochondria per cell, the ovaries, the eggs, the start of human life, have hundreds of thousands of mitochondria per cell which makes sense, right? I mean, can you think of anything that needs more energy than making a person? I mean, it takes a lot of energy to raise a person (laughs) too, which is why we need our mitochondria to work at full capacity all the time. But to make a person requires the most energy of all. And do you know that we inherit our mitochondria from our mothers, which makes sense since God put so many in the egg. So when it comes to fertility, you know, this is something we need to think about and understand because the health of the mitochondria is crucial. As we're going to talk about today, you can either not have enough mitochondria in your cells or you can have low functioning mitochondria in your cells that just, you know, can't crank out the energy. And this is essentially the aging process. You know, mitochondrial dysfunction is really central to all chronic disease and plays a huge role in neurogenitive disease like Alzheimer's, ALS, and Parkinson's. We also need to think about the mitochondria when it comes to our immune system. I mean, we're all really focused on that right now, right? It plays a role in the regulation of our innate immunity, which is what recognizes and responds to infection by pathogens. There's something called mitochondrial antiviral signaling protein, um, MABs for short, um, which plays a key role in the innate response to viral infections, helping to induce antiviral and anti-inflammatory pathways. I think of it like Maverick, you know, MABs. So I'm like thinking Maverick from Top Gun, you know, shooting down the enemy. Um, But when it comes to something like COVID, one person may fare better over another based on the health and strength and efficiency of their mitochondria. You know, do the cells make enough energy to mount up a proper defense? Also, you know, the mitochondria are responsible for cellular respiration. When you inhale, oxygen gets transferred from your lungs to your cells through your blood. Once the mitochondria of your cells use up the oxygen, carbon dioxide is released from your cells And this carbon dioxide makes its way back to your lungs to be released into the air through exhalation. So, you know, we need healthy working mitochondria for this cellular respiration process. And do you remember the podcast I did about where fat goes when we lose it? The breath that leaves our body. We exhale it. 
right? So can you, are you getting the picture? Like all of this is intertwined, y'all. We can think of the mitochondria like our beautiful biological batteries, you know, powering nearly everything we do. Think of your cell phone battery, you know, you have to plug it in and recharge it. And we're all pretty good about that, right? Because um, we freak out when we don't have enough battery to use our cell phones. And yet right before our very eyes, our bodies are suffering from lack of battery power, but we're too busy to plug in by doing the things we need to do to boost our cellular battery power. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about charging our biological batteries. If we want to improve gut health, immune health, brain health, liver health, adrenal health, hormone health, skin health, all the healths, we've got to change the bat- charge the batteries to make those systems operate at an optimal level, okay? So number one, we're going to go through several things here. Number one is to be a good fat burner. Our mitochondria use the energy we put into our bodies, right? Food uses the energy we put into our bodies. And and what does our body use for energy? Carbs and fat, glucose and fatty acids. Our mitochondria use both, but they use fatty acids more cleanly and efficiently. Here's the thing. When you, when your mitochondria make ATP, the energy for your cell, it also creates free radicals as a byproduct. That's just kind of part of the deal. You know, remember that free radicals are unstable molecules that can create oxidative damage to our cells. So they're not great. (laughs) It's not something we really want, but it's just, it's kind of a byproduct um, of this making ATP process. Okay, it's kind of like the exhaust coming out of the exhaust pipe. All right. And the body is equipped to handle and deal with some free radicals, but not an overload. An overload of free radicals is just pressing your foot down on the accelerator of aging. And when I say aging, I don't mean just like wrinkles. You know, that's what we all think of aging. We think of our face wrinkles. (laughs) Although it does include that, I'm talking accelerated aging of the brain, you know, Alzheimer's, dementia, the eyes, macular degeneration, the ovaries, early menopause, you know, all of that kind of stuff. The outward appearance of accelerated aging is a representation of the inner accelerated aging that's taking place. So here's the thing. Generating ATP, the energy that our mitochondria produces, right? When our mitochondria uses fatty acids to make ATP, it produces fewer free radicals than generating ATP using carbs, Okay, so fatty acids burn a little cleaner than carbohydrates do. The exhaust is cleaner. So think of when you see someone driving around in a car and it's got, it's like sputtering out all this thick black gunky puffs from the exhaust pipe. I get so irritated when I'm driving by in a car like that. I'm like, fix your car. And that's kind of what your body's screaming at you when it's sick and tired. It's like, fix my engine. It's covered in gunky black residue, dragging everything down. Stop giving me dirty sugar to burn and let's burn some clean fat fuel. So you've got to be able to be a fat burner. And most people, sadly, are stuck in sugar burning mode and blocking their body's ability to burn fat. This means you are generating a lot more free radicals than your body can handle 
and accelerating your aging process and the decline of your health. How do we become a, become a better fat burner? This is everything I talk about. <laughs> if you've been through Feast of Fast, you know exactly how to do this. You keep carbs at a reasonable level and you intermittent fast. Those two strategies train your body to burn both glucose and fat for fuel, but not too much glucose where we're puffing out black exhaust. Okay, your body has to be able to access fat for fuel. You may have a lot of stored fuel in your body. That's what fat is. But is your body continuing to store it? Or is it being able to burn it? That's one of the first things we have to address, which is why I'm on this mission to get people into Feast of Fast so you can burn those fatty acids. I follow this doctor on social media who talks about burning your fatty acids. <laughs> you get me? <laughs> like burn the junk in your trunk. <laughs> that is our goal, okay? Plus fasting in and of itself is amazing for mitochondrial health because it induces the autophagy process. Autophagy is the way our cells clean themselves, okay? Autophagy means to self-eat. So it's um, really just kind of eating up recycling um, all these damaged parts, which includes damaged mitochondria. It's like our body's way of taking out the trash. And part of that trash is damaged is the damaged mitochondria. We want to get rid of that, right? If our body um, never has the opportunity to take out the trash, it accumulates and then your cells are trashy. Think of how your house would be if you could never take out the trash. It would be foul. Same with our body house. It's foul on the inside when we don't give it ample opportunity to take out the trash. And fasting is phenomenal for that. Okay? So that's number one. We want to be able to be a good fat burner. Number two, we got to have the right kind of nutrients to charge our mitochondrial batteries. Okay? To spark the engine. There are some really critical minerals needed to create ATP in the body. The two star minerals for making ATP are magnesium and copper. We talked about both of these last week with Carly, right? We know that most people are deficient in magnesium because our soil is so deficient um, and therefore our foods have less magnesium content than they used to. Overall, our food has less nutrition than it used to because our soil is so depleted of um of nutrients. And so our the plants don't get as many uh, nutrients as they used to. And therefore, the animals that eat the plants don't, you know, get as many nutrients as they used to. But still, we need to eat a real foods diet to get the most that we can, right? Um, but then supplementation can be helpful. You know, sometimes we do need a little boost and like magnesium um, is, is one I do recommend supplementing because most people are deficient. And I think I, um, I think I said this last week, but all of my people who live here in my family, <laughs> in this house with me, <laughs> have, um, have magnesium by their bed, along with a glass of water. That's just kind of that's when we take it at night. And copper, like we talked about last week, um, is the frenemy of zinc. So we want to make sure those are in nice balance. And like we mentioned, Organic Olivia has copper in their zinc supplement. Uh, there is copper in liver. 
you know. So what I'm doing right now with the fam is supplementing um, them with liver every other day. And on the days we're not doing liver, they're getting an organic Olivia zinc capsule. We're not going to do that indefinitely. Um, I mean, that that zinc capsule, it's just kind of for now, you know, being very proactive and boosting our immune function with everything going on in the world. Um, but zinc is also important uh, to give the mitochondria that engine spark, as is iron, chromium, calcium, and selenium. Does that mean we st- supplement all those things separately? No. It means we eat a nutrient-dense diet as our baseline and maybe supplement with some liver, you know, as nature's multivitamin, and then boost a little extra magnesium. That'd be a great start. Okay, number three is one of my favorites. Maybe you can guess what it would be that I like to talk about all the time. Where would we humans go to plug in when we need to recharge our batteries? Good day, sunshine. You know that song by the Beatles? Sunshine, my favorite. Um, There's another doctor I follow, um, Dr. Cruz. He's this brilliant neurosurgeon who is very, we'll we'll say, disruptive um, to the conventional medical community because he, um, because of his thoughts on things like sunshine being the absolute most important thing we can do for our body. He says it's more important than food when it comes to mitochondria. Y'all, I just, I cannot stress to you how important natural light is to our bodies. I mean, I have just scratched the surface of this. I know I talk about it all the time. I've just only scratched the surface. It is, there's so much to it. And I'm going to keep talking about it as I unfold the pieces. But, you know, here's what we know for sure. We need the light that God made. We need the sun, S-O-N, and we need the sun, S-U-N. We need Jesus Christ, and we need sunshine. God gave us the sun to heal our souls and the sunshine to heal our bodies. I would say both are very underused sources of healing, you know. Um, but when it comes to the sun, my 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 son, <laughs> my oldest son actually was feeling under the weather the other day, and I had him go late in the sun, which he thought was weird, <laughs> I was like, just do it. Um, but he did. He he did it. And But I can see how someone like him or most people would be like, uh, what in the world is this going to do for me? Well, let me tell you, my friend, in addition to making the best form of vitamin D, like we talked about last week, the sun produces a negative charge inside the cell that activates the mitochondria. So the mitochondria is all about generating electrons. Okay, this the electron generation is where we get our energy um, to make the body function. Okay, so essentially the mitochondria are breaking down our food into electrons, but the sun supercharges the electrical energy process. It's like charging your phone battery in five minutes instead of taking a couple of hours to do it. Okay, so the sun is just a supercharger. Um, and just, you know, speaking of all these electrons, I mean, also, you know, going back to um, grounding, earthing, where we pick up electrons from the earth. I mean, just being outside in general, nature is so important for so many reasons, right? But we pick up this electrical energy from being outside that helps our body. And part of this is, let's, we're going to kind of bring it back around here a little bit. 
because when we were talking about free radicals, free radicals have no electrons, okay? That's what makes them unstable. They have no electrons, and so they steal electrons from healthy cells, causing those cells to become damaged. This is the oxidative stress that we're talking about. And this is why free radicals um, can be problematic. The more free radicals you have, and remember, we generate more free radicals when the mitochondria burn glucose to make ATP as opposed to fatty acids. Um, the more oxidation you know, that we're going to have, this damage to the cells that will take place because the free radicals are stealing all the electrons. So that's why we talk about the importance, you know, of getting antioxidants in our diet, you know, like from colorful plant food and such to help counteract some of this oxidation. But, you know, you can be out there like trying to superdose antioxidants and taking antioxidant supplements and all this stuff. But I mean, are we addressing the root cause of the overproduction of free radicals, you know, which occurs when we burn more sugar than we do fatty acids? So... We want to be efficient fat burners. We want to get sunshine. Um, I realize that here, you know, we're going into winter here in the U.S. Um, you know, I have a lot of people that hang out with me and follow and stuff from Australia. And so they're not going into winter. <laughs> they're going into summer. Um, but for us here, it's not the time of year that we're going to be really laying out in the sun. I've been trying to get as much as I can here before it gets too cold. We've been having some lovely, lovely weather in Texas. Um, but, you know, even as it's getting colder, and so maybe you're not sitting in the sun and soaking up the rays and not having a lot of skin exposed, I would still, you still want to get outside as much as you can. I would still aim for getting morning and evening sunlight into your eyes, you know, and, um, helping set that circadian rhythm, your cortisol, your melatonin, and, you know, focusing on these other ways to boost mitochondria until, you know, the weather permits you to get back out under the sun. So I use my Juve light several times a week, which is a light therapy device that puts out red and infrared light. It's kind of like a hack, you know, for this process. Um, it's not any match for getting real sunshine, but it is helpful for giving um, some of that like frequency that helps boost mitochondrial function. So, okay, number four, number five ways to boost your mitochondria, I'm going to talk about together because both are ways to stimulate mitochondrial growth and health by way of hormesis. So hormesis or hormetic stress is controlled acute stress that can trigger a healthy adaptive response in your body. So meaning, meaning like your body has to step up its game to deal with the stress and, you know, but the stress is acute, right? It's just very, um, just short term. It's not chronic stress. Okay. Two very effective hormetic stressors are exercise and cold thermogenesis. So that is when we, you know, expose yourself to really cold temperatures for a short amount of time. That's why people do polar bear plunges. It's why Tony Robbins, the famous motivational speaker, starts his day with a cold plunge. It's why taking a cold shower is good for you. And as I have shared before, I don't like any of it. <laughs> I, I just really dislike being cold. This is one of those healing modalities that's been on my radar uh, for a long time. I think last time I talked about it, I was probably like, this is on my radar. Um, but I just cannot 
make myself do it with much regularity. The only thing I do is turn my shower colder after I wash my hair when I'm rinsing out the conditioner because I know it's good for your hair, right, to do that. But when it gets to be winter time, like we've had some cold days and I'm like, uh-uh, sorry hair, you are not getting that TLC <laughs> because I cannot bring myself to turn the shower cold. When it gets like towards winter, I mean, I sometimes take two showers a day just because I want the warmth. I mean, I'm the person who likes a scalding hot shower, scalding. And I mean, I have a space heater in my bathroom in the winter and I just blast it so it's nice and warm when I get out of the shower. I don't want any coldness. You know, my house is like a hundred year over a hundred years old. It's just cold in my house and I don't like to be cold. Um, but I know how good cold thermogenesis is for the body as a hormetic stressor. And so I'll come around like, you know, not going to give up. Um, but it's just been a hard one for me to incorporate. But you know, maybe for you, cold therapy is something that is not hard and doable, right? Maybe some of these other things are harder for you. So um, that's why we talk about it, employ what you can. Uh, you know, I was just saying that we're moving into winter. And so we're not exposing big, big swaths of skin to the sun, but exposing yourself to the cold weather, whether that means you do go out in less clothing for a bit in the wintertime, or see how long you can keep your bare feet in the snow, or you take cold showers. You know, this is like the wintertime version of boosting your mitochondria, right? So we can, you know, maybe in, when it's warmer outside, we're outside a lot more, we can expose our more of our body to the sunshine, but maybe in the wintertime, it's, you know, that's, we're using the cold as our, um, our way of boosting mitochondria. Your body has to work harder to keep you warm, you know, with when you're cold, right? Um, with this stressor. So, um, it in, what happens is this is so cool, y'all. It engages your brown fat. Okay, you probably didn't even know you had two types of fat, right? One is white, one is brown. White fat is the fat we all think about and we're all familiar with. But we also have brown fat, and brown fat produces heat to help maintain your body temperature in cold conditions. Now, we have the highest level of brown fat when we're babies to help uh, uh, protect us from getting too cold. Did you know that we can't shiver when we're babies? Did you know that? And so the brown fat is um, one of the things that keeps, that is the thing, the main thing that keeps babies warm. So, you know, as adults, we can shiver. So as we, as we age, um, we, we lose some of that brown fat, but it's the babies. When we're babies, we have all this extra brown fat to keep us warm and, you know, generate heat. I think that's so fascinating. Um, we lose that brown fat, like I said, when we get older, but having more brown fat is good because it's very metabolically active. And so it's very good for our metabolism. Now, the key here with mitochondria is that brown fat has a lot more mitochondria than white fat. And when we expose ourselves to these bouts of cold, we engage the brown fat. So we're firing up this metabolic function, stimulating more mitochondrial growth and more brown fat. And that's a good thing because it's so metabolically active. Okay, so if you can get on board with some cold exposure, that's going to be really good 
for your body. So you can go and pay for cryotherapy or you can do it for free by freezing your booty off in the shower or doing a cold plunge or something like that. There's always a hacky version, but, um, you know, you can also do these things for free. Okay, exercise. Um, it is a stressor, even though we don't really think about it like that, but it's a good stressor unless you're overdoing it, right? Anything if we're overdoing fasting. You know, fasting is a bit of a stressor to the body, but it's a good stressor, right? It, it makes our body um, adapt and have to switch into fat burning mode, right? Again, keeping the body on its toes, making the body step up, um, you know, throwing a curveball at it like that. And that's what I'm talking about here when we're talking about hormetic stress. You know, your body has to become a better version of itself, become stronger and more resilient when we throw some of these curveballs curveballs at them, whether it's fasting or, you know, being exposed to cold um, or even exercise. But if we overdo any of these things, then they become more of a chronic stress. And that's no way, no, that's not what we want to do. But there are a lot of studies that show that exercise increases mitochondrial biogenesis. That's the force, the force be with you, that gives life to our cells, okay, that mitochondria biogenesis. Um, High-intensity interval training, HIIT workouts are particularly good for stimulating mitochondria, but all exercise is, um, is helpful. So just do something. One study showed that interval, interval, re- uh, blah, 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 interval training um, resulted in 49% increase in mitochondrial capacity in younger volunteers and 69% improvement in older ones. So that's great news because as we get older, our body naturally slows down this mitochondrial generation process. I mean, that's what aging is. Um, But we can do something about it by promoting mitochondrial function through exercise and through all of these things that we're talking about, right? We're slowing the aging process down by boosting mitochondria. Okay, the last thing is sleep. Sleep is critical for mitochondrial health. I feel like I'm always saying the same things, right? Clean food, sunshine, exercise, sleep. It's all that Genesis prescription stuff, right? And sleep is an important part of keeping mitochondria healthy. Not getting enough sleep results in mitochondrial dysfunction and oxidative stress, that cellular damage. Remember that when we sleep, we detox, you know, like for instance, your brain detoxes while you're sleeping. And when it can't, your brain, which is one of the most metabolically demanding organs with one of the highest levels of mitochondria, can't function. You know, your mitochondria can't perform optimally when it doesn't get its detox time. Speaking of detoxing, one of the things that really drags down the function of mitochondria are toxins whether that's from external sources like environmental pollutants or medications or skin products or home cleaning products, you know, all those things that barrage, barrage us every day, or our internal toxins like that black exhaust, you know, we're talking about of oxidation or toxins generated by the pathogens in our body, like parasites, you know, or like lipopolysaccharides, LPS, which also aka known as little pieces of, you know what, poop, (laughs) LPS, little pieces of 
poop from um, certain bacteria. So bacteria make these um, these lipopolysaccharides. They're like toxins in the body. Um, so toxin removal is essential for mitochondria to function at peak level. We've got to be aware of what we're exposing ourselves to in our homes, through the products we use, and the foods that we eat. You know, like, hello, glyphosate is in everything. And we can't control all of it, right? So we just, we can't be freaks, like, because we can't be completely toxin-free. I mean, that's just really hard to do in this day and age. But we can control some of it. And so what we can control is what we want to focus on, right? Also, um, making sure our drainage pathways are open um, so that toxins can escape our body. Occasionally doing a detoxification protocol to eradicate unhelpful bacteria and parasites, right? That might be producing some, some of these endotoxins inside the body. That's what we're going to be doing in the new year in the Christian Health Club is work through the four-month CellCore foundational protocol. I want to get a group going for those who are ready to do it or just want to follow along and learn about it for future reference. But my plan is to guide and coach and encourage you through that. I mean, you really, you need a practitioner for this because things come up or or come out rather. (laughs) I mean, you see a critter in the toilet, you're going to need somebody to talk to. Um, And that person is me. So that's the new year plan. We're going to be doing Feast of Fast, um, but simultaneously doing the CellCore protocol on the side in the Christian Health Club, which is why I'm running that Black Friday special coming up, you know, that if you go ahead and sign up for the January Feast of Fast now, you get too much of the Christian Health Club free so that you can be with us in December. You can take a nutritional assessment, kind of get a baseline of where you are. Um... And then do our um, our December activities. We'll be doing the winter solstice detox also. Um, and then be ready to go in January with Feast of Fast and starting the cell core protocol if you want to do that. So if you've never done Feast of Fast before, this is a great time. Great way to sign up and get into the Christian Health Club at the same time, which is not normally how we do it. But I really want to just help as many people as I can. Um, And this is just a great proactive protocol to address gut, liver, immune support, cell function, you know, at the mitochondrial level. So, of course, just a really streamlined, comprehensive, effective protocol. And as I've said here many times, I think everyone is a candidate for a good gut reset. And this is more like a systemic reset, you know, not just a gut reset, which is why I like it. So I hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime... You don't have to wait to start fasting, to start exercising, to take a cold shower, to get a good night's sleep. You know, all of these things that boost your mitochondria, the very function of your cell. I know, I know, we're in the crux of the holiday season. But don't let that be an excuse to excuse yourself from any healthy actions. You know, maybe they're not all happening in sync right now. But that doesn't mean just because one is off, the others have to go out the window. Okay, I want to wish you an amazing Thanksgiving. I hope it's wonderful. I hope you have an awesome feasty meal and spend great time with your family and friends. Please know how incredibly grateful I am for you and the opportunity to be a part of your health team, your bod squad. Um, I want to do everything I can to help you keep your holy temple healthy so that you can show up to your family and your friends at your best right? Healthy in spirit, mind, and body. 
All right, my friends, I hope that you got something good out of this today, some good motivation, um, some good practical things to do. I appreciate you listening. I know it's a busy time of the year. Thank you for taking the time to be here with me, to listen and to apply. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.